Hey, welcome. We are so glad that you are joining us today. My name is Kyle. If we haven't met yet, I'm the lead pastor of Generations Church. And as always, if we experience some technical difficulties, just refresh that page because we are glad that you are here with us. And we've got some exciting questions to ask you today. So as we dive into our substance series, as we conclude that today, here's what I want to start with. I want to start with a story. Growing up, I lived on a hobby farm in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, in central Ohio. And one of my sources of income throughout high school was raising pigs. As a student, the best way to make money uh, wasn't necessarily off pigs or raising them, but it was taking them to the, not just taking them to the market, but was to taking them to the fair and showing them. And so I would work several, several months at getting usually two pigs, two hogs ready for the county fair. And so I remember waking up early in the evenings, taking them on walks and getting them to move because they would just lay in the mud all day. And you had to take them out and you had to walk them and you had to get them all nice and marbled so they, they'd get some muscle and layer that fat so that when you would take them to the market, they would make some good bacon and some, and some, and some good ham. And so to show them at the county fair, it's basically a competition of which pigs would look the best. Now, preparing to show the hogs was my least favorite thing. I didn't mind uh, getting up early, feeding them, taking care of them. But it, showing was the least favorite thing. It was difficult, especially because you would go several months and they'd be in the mud and then you transport them to the fair. And they would be caked usually with mud and and, 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 their, and their crap and, and just all kinds of things. And, and in order to show them, you usually had to take them, you had to wash them off, you had, you had to brush their hair, and you had to make them look all pristine and look nice because you do all these little tips and all these little tricks so that as you would show these pigs in front of the judge, they would look and they would see the pig look a certain way. Now, any good judge knows that no matter how good the pigs would look that that no matter what the tips and tricks, whether, whether you trim the hair a little bit whether, or whether what you, how you'd, good you'd wash them, is they knew what they were looking for. They were looking for a nice, round marble. This is probably way more than you would ever want to know. And so a good judge would know a good pig based on the size and the scope and the quality, not the amount of tips and tricks and the things you would do to make the pig look good. A good judge knew what he was looking for knew what he was looking for. And so I tell that story because we come to a section in Colossians where there can be a lot of rules, there can be a lot of tips, and there can be a lot of trips that these false teachers are trying to throw at the Colossian believers. And at the end of the day, what Paul wants to encourage them with is very, something very, very simple. doesn't matter what the outward appearance looks like. It's the quality of the heart that matters. It's the connection to Jesus that matters. And so just like in trying to show a pig, it doesn't matter how well you try to dress that pig up. The content, the core of the pig, the, what it is actually is, not the external stuff, is what ultimately matters. And so Paul prepares for us actually for the next section of Scripture that is to come because he knows what the external things that happen in our lives, that our character and our priorities, 
that they actually come from having a clean heart, having a clean internal nature. And so Paul is preparing us for that next section of Scripture. And this flow from Colossians goes like this. In Colossians chapter 1, he, he makes us known who Jesus is. And then in Colossians 2, here he's talking about the substance of Jesus. That is what has to bring that internal change. So that the internal change then changes our character and our external priorities. Christ must be the substance of our lives and shape our character and priorities in our everyday life. So he reiterates this final thought. That practices that attempt to change the outward appearance do not change the heart. What matters is a clean heart connected to God. True change comes from inward renewal. And he does this in our passage today in two ways. And first, it's, our, it's his initial question in verse 20 of Colossians chapter 2. Where it says, uh, he asks this question. If you died with the Messiah to the elemental forces of this world, why do you live as if you still belonged to the world? And then in verse 23, where he says this phrase, self-indulgence. And so as you look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, as we begin to go through that passage, we see several really important things. We see that at some point, all these do's and do nots that these external, that are external, that these false teachers are trying to put on the Colossian believers, that ultimately they don't produce the changed heart that Paul wants these Colossian believers to maintain and exercise in their world and in their cultural moment. And we can learn from that in our cultural moment because at some point we must all come to terms with the varying degrees of self-centeredness inside of us. See, that's why Paul says in verse 23, he says, although these things have a reputation of wisdom by promoting aesthetic practices, humility and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. It is this self-centeredness that permeates every area of our life and makes us unclean. And no matter what we do on the outside to try to make ourselves appear to be clean, whether it manifests itself in the need for approval or the desire for control or the gnaw for, for power or the presence of fear, where others feel condemned or hurt or smothered or even used in light of our actions when we try to make ourselves appear clean and like everything is all right. When we worry, when we get bored or even feel insecure, or we see that these emotions manifest themselves in anger, all of these are external realities that point to an internal reality. And the internal reality is that we are not being regularly made clean by Christ. And it doesn't matter what we try to do on the external, how we try to manipulate things, whether we try to wash that pig really, really clean, what matters is the condition of our hearts. So in between verse 20 and in the final phrase of verse 23, Paul elaborates on the ineffectiveness of these external regulations at making us like Christ. Paul asks questions that he wants these believers to answer. 
He says, why do you live as if you still belong to the world where they, we try to manipulate things, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Why do you submit to these regulations? Because ultimately they are material. They are incapable of producing a true change towards Christ-likeness. And becoming like Christ is not a let down as sometimes we think. Becoming like Christ is becoming more and more fully human, how God has intended us to be. And so these external practices, these external regulations, they concern things that are perishable. They are human originated. They have an appearance of wisdom. They sound good and they sound right, but they come from human wisdom and ultimately are not rooted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And they are incapable of producing their design. And so they claim that they will make us better people. They will make us more like Christ, but ultimately they will fall short. And Paul lists off several of these things because, again, he's dealing with a level of Jewish thought and where they think about these purity laws, where purity laws has a lot less to do with what you wear and what you eat and drink and more to do with that condition of your heart. But when we are pure in heart, it will manifest itself in external realities. We will see external change when there is first an internal change. And we say that around Generation Church, as I've said several times already, it's called character and priorities. You, you will become, you'll have more joy, you'll have more peace, you'll, you'll be more patient, you'll be less prone to anger, you'll be less prone to worry or fear because your character is being changed. And you will also change in priorities, which means what you value and how you look at your time. And when you run into someone uh, at a grocery store, when you, when you connect with someone over virtual coffee, as in today's moment, you will make time for that, to care for people. How you think about the world in which we live in will begin to change when you are connected to Jesus. See, who you are will be fundamentally different when we are connected with Christ. I think back at a story when I was growing up, a time when I didn't want to change. And in fact, I had heard a lot of these external rules and regulations about what to do and what not to do. And I just sloughed them off and I said, I'm going to do me my own way and my own thinking. And I remember that there was a point in time when God was trying to get my attention at the faulty and futility of my ways. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes he strips things away in order to get us to truly focus on him, to get clarity about who he is and what he is like. For me, it was in high school. I had just gotten my license and I had my first car and I have a little level of freedom that I, I had longed for. I thought I could do what I wanted and be who I wanted and I could make a name for myself. And all too often I found myself in places where I wasn't supposed to be, where with doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing and not because those were the rules of my parents or because that's not what good Christian kids were supposed to do. But I was doing those things because I was indulging myself. 
I put myself at the center. And one of those nights when I first had gotten my license, I remember coming home from somewhere where I wasn't supposed to be. I don't exactly remember the time of year or what it was, but I just remember it was late and I was trying to make it home by curfew. I was coming home on a back road going way too fast. And again, I talked about living in kind of the middle of nowhere, so there was a lot of back roads and a lot of hills that you couldn't quite see what was on the other side. And I remember it being dark and me racing home. And I popped over a hill. And before I knew it, I crashed. There across the road was a half-built hay wagon. The farmer was backing it across the road into his barn that was near the road. And right in front of me was a two-by-four, four inches from my forehead. That was the first time that God was trying to get my attention. That he kept trying to tell me, Kyle, you're trying to dress up a pig. You're trying to make that your life look like it's all clean and it's all perfect, but internally you are crumbling. And he used something like that, the total of the car, that first wreck, to try to get my attention. I would like to say that it worked. Sadly, as I think is the case for many of us, we are slow to learn what God is trying to teach us. And God took me on a journey to a place where now you see me sitting here today, not perfect, not full with all the answers, but someone who is learning what it looks like to put Christ at the center of my life and continually be connected to him and not live and with, with all these external rules and regulations like don't do this and don't do that. But in, in effect, be someone who says yes to Jesus on a daily basis. And again, I am not perfect. And God had to strip some things out of my life in order to say, stop living by your own power and your own strength. Stop living by the elemental forces of this world. And start living by my power, by my strength. That's a lesson that we all have to learn. And sometimes it seems good, as Paul points out. They, they have the appearance of wisdom, but ultimately they will fall flat and be incapable of producing lasting change. All these external measures do not describe the most important measure of all. That's the condition of your heart. I don't know where you're at today as you walk this as we sum up this substance series let me just say flatly the one substance that produces the most substantial change in your life his name is jesus just like that song that we sung he produces a change that sometimes is incremental but it is change that is lasting nevertheless sometimes it's momentous and it, and, it, and it's full and, and, and it's truly life-altering. And people take note of that. And whether it's through moments or that are incremental or from that momentous, sometimes life-altering moment, maybe it, for you it was a crash, like what God was trying to do and get my attention. Paul wants us to know that the knowledge of Christ is simply not enough. He wants to begin to experience Christ as we begin to apply the life 
death and the resurrection of Jesus to every aspect of our life. He wants our story to be intertwined with God's story. And as things get stripped away, as if in our moment, in our culture, as we're physically experiencing now in light of coronavirus, we can't fake a story that's intertwined with God's story. We right now, we are seeing stories being played out. The narrative of your life will become evident in how you talk and how you treat other people. What you post on social media, where your priorities are at right now every single day. You can't fake a story interconnected to Jesus if your story is so dominated by other things. But once your story becomes dominated by Jesus, and if it is dominated by Jesus, you will see a change. You will have a hope right now in this moment that cannot be taken away. The conversation on your lips will not be things about despair, but will be conversations, will be moments of hope and joy and point us back to Jesus and of love of neighbor. And that's why at Generations Church, we talk about story over sin. And it's not just that we talk about it. We want to value story over sin, where we cultivate lasting relationships to discover how Jesus shapes our identity, our past, and our future, rather than being defined by others or ourselves. Because external regulations sometimes are what become defining markers for how we see other people and we see ourselves. And we should not see ourselves that way and we should not see others that way by those external markers. We must see each other, how Jesus sees us and that is worthy of love as made in God's image. And if you have questions about what that truly means, then I'd encourage you to jump on this midweek podcast where we talk about what it's going to look like to be made in God's image and how that practically plays out. And maybe you feel like God's joy is something that is distant in your life. This is a great way to jump on and engage with us each and every day because following Jesus is not something that we relegate to this one hour time slot, but it's something we want to see permeate every aspect of our life. And so let's not try to get a pig ready for show just for Sunday. Let's get that pig ready all every day, every aspect, because we want to eat some good bacon. Jesus is the good bacon. I hope you like bacon. Maybe you're not. Maybe, maybe you're vegetarian. Let me just say this, that a repeated return to Christ causes change. And the reason I've titled this series Substance is because when we encounter Christ, when Christ is the center, it produces a chemical change. And a chemical change is usually irreversible. It's a chemical reaction involving the rearrangements of atoms of one or more substances and a change in their chemical properties or composition, resulting in the formation of at least one new substance. Christ is the substance that changes us and the substance that which we are being changed into. And we do that through connection with him. And as you scroll through social media, as you look at your phone in this cultural moment, there are all kinds of posts that want to help you cope with the realities of life. There are tons of rules to remember, tips and tricks. But what if instead of rules to remember for how to cope, that there was a relationship to generate a change, thus producing the power for internal change? The good news is there is. 
That's a relationship with Jesus. And time with Jesus changes our soul. And a Jesus-charged soul is a changing person. We threw out this word called cosmic reconciliation off and on through this series. Let me just say this. What if this stay home, stay healthy mandate is an opportunity for a total cosmic reset? What if this is an opportunity for you to hit the reset button on your life? What if this moment is an attempt to, for God to get your attention on which story is most dominant in your life? And God is saying, let's hit the reset button. Let's hit the pause. I'm not going to let you go anywhere. I'm not going to let you connect with people. The only thing I'm going to let you do is be at home with your family. And ultimately, with me. Right now, my guess is that your true character is coming out at home. Are you bored? Are you antsy? Are you angry? Are you, are you giving in to despair? Right now in our world, we are finding out what is really important to us. And everything has been slowly stripped away. The distraction, so you're probably running out of Netflix shows to binge. The community that you would find yourself to distract yourself is not necessarily present. We are seeing the conditions of people's hearts. And as we are stuck at home and on our phone, all we can see is the sin of others. And story over sin is always about a conversation with a real people, hearing their story and not writing them off because of their perceived sin and our perceived sin of them in their life. Being redefined and reoriented to Jesus and his story. That he lived a perfect life, that he died the death that we deserve and he resurrected and he has the power of victory so that we can live and we do not have to fear in every aspect of our life every single day we can live the life that he wants to live through us and so we right now have the opportunity to hit that reset button and become more christ-like or we can cave into the self-indulgent life and have that take priority in our life in the midst of this as we clamor to get things back to normal, what if instead of going back to normal, we develop a new normal because we have a connection to Christ that charges our soul each and every day. Just like we have to charge our phone, we can use this opportunity to be charged with Christ. And what if God doesn't want to give us all kinds of clarity or what's next right now? What if instead he wants to give us something better? What if he's already given it to us? And that being the opportunity to connect with Jesus. He is the God who walks beside us when life is unclear, when it's ambiguous and confusing. Imagine what life could look like if we stopped fighting stopped complaining and started praying and started being present through conversation with others and began to get charged up every single day with char through time with him. What would that look like? So when they start releasing us back into our gatherings and people said, there is something different about you that the conversations on our lips come from being a charged up time with him. And the story is one 
of Jesus and what he has done during this time and what he has done in our lives during this time. At Generations Church, we want to help you charge up your soul, just like you remember to charge up your phone, which is why we are introducing resources each and every day online to continue to help you charge up your soul, to help you learn what it means to truly connect with Christ, to help you be a people of prayer and to help us see others for who God has created them to be. Because let's just be honest, that one of the things that I love about Generations Church is that we are a people from diverse backgrounds, from all different walks of life. We have people who are Democrats and Republicans in our church. We have people who are gay and who are straight in our church. We have men and women in our church. We have people who are young and who are old, people who are physically able and who are unphysically able. We have all different types of people in our church. And God gets to bring us together and rewrite a story of us together to make a difference in this community. And imagine what a people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, imagine what that would look like if instead of complaining about each other, we started caring and we started praying. And we were a people who bared one another's burdens. And we don't have to wait for life to get back to normal for that to start. We can start that Will you join us this week as we continue that journey together? God, I lift up our church right now. God, we do have all kinds of different people from all different backgrounds and walks of life. And Paul encourages us to not create dividing lines, to, to not make external rules and regulations as the substance of change, but to help us orient you around the substance of change. We want to put you first. Help us do that right now. Thank you for your love, for your grace, and for Jesus. May he be the most dominant substance in our life so that it affects every area, every aspect of our life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.